It's the RU Review at moresportsnow.com, brought to you by Zebra Pen. Find Zen in your pen. I'm Steve Titchener here with Matt Lachlan and John McAlevey. And on the line, we welcome back to the show former player and Rutgers radio color analyst, Eric Legrand. Eric, thanks once again for taking some time with us. Hey, thank you for having me on, as always. Now, we saw your heartfelt tweet about the anniversary of your injury. And I want to say on behalf of myself, Matt and John, and the rest of the uh, More Sports Now staff, and we have nothing but admiration and respect for, for you in this, this eight-year journey. And uh, I know you inspire everyone in this room, for sure. Uh, I, pre- I appreciate that, guys. It's been, a, it's been quite a journey, eight years. And you look how fast it goes, and then you look how slow it goes. But honestly, nothing but blessings have been in my life. Nothing but good things have come from this situation. It's a very tough situation. It's nothing you want to be in, but... You know, you got to look at the bright side of things, you know, the silver lining of stuff and see, you know, all the amazing things I've been able to do or go and people I've gotten to meet. It's it's just incredible to have this amount of support as well. You know, Eric, I know each and every year uh, when my anniversary rolls around, it's August 19th of 1992. It's 26 years for me now. I know that it's a little melancholy. I know those first couple of years um, were were rough. Um, but you know, the further you get removed from it all, as you said, um, you, you find a new life and you, you just kind of go on, you know, there's no, um, there's no hiding away from the world. You want to, you want to live the life that you have. And I know, uh, that you've made a lot of, uh, amazing friends and all, do you keep in touch with some of the guys that were, you know, in on that fateful play at that time? I mean, I know obviously coach Chiano and, but some of your players that were there with you when it all happened, when you were looking up at, and seeing those faces, are some of those guys still tight with you these days? Yeah, I still, I still talk to them. Like, I remember Patrick Kiplahan was out there on that play who became a star baseball player. Uh, Marcus Cooper, who's the cornerback for the Chicago Bears now. I get to talk to Coop mm-hmm. every now and then. And then Deron Harmon was out there with me. So I get to talk to Deron every now and then as well. So we all we always talk about when we, when we come back to events, that's when we all get to catch up with each other because everyone has their own foundations and stuff like that nature. But we always all invite each other to each other's events. And that's when we catch up. And it's funny because it's like we never missed a, never missed a beat, even though we only see each other once or twice a year. Well, that's that's what the bond of being a teammate is all about. But I wonder if on the other side, because it is such a violent game and yours was a seemingly innocent play in, in which uh, the injury occurred, if there are teammates of yours at that time who they didn't drift away from you because they're uncaring, but it just scared them so much that that could happen to me at any moment on any play. Yeah, there was two teammates that were absolutely terrified. And like you said, they dripped away from me. They actually came to me more because I needed to talk to them. And that was Joe LaFedge, who actually went on to play in the NFL. He did not want to play football anymore after that, after that happened. My locker was next to him. He used to joke with me all the time. And I used to try to beat him up in the locker room. You know, Joe, me and Joe had a good relationship. And uh, after that, after the injury, he didn't want to play football no more. Another one was my roommate, my very close friend, Kasim Green. I remember the very next game watching him tackle. It was really weird. He was just throwing his shoulder into people. He wasn't diving, rapping up. So, you know, I guess I try to put myself in their shoes and it's hard for me. Like, if that happened to them, would I be acting the same way? But they said that it affected them that much that they didn't want to play football anymore at the time. 
Eric, how about anybody from Army? Did uh, do you ha have you ever heard from? I mean, obviously, I'm sure you heard from them at the time that it was going on. But through the years, has there been any outreach between you and uh, and Army? Well, I actually I stayed in touch with Malcolm Brown, and I got to go up there a few years later. I believe it was two or three years later I got to go up there and visit the campus and what nature and uh, learn everything that they go through on a daily basis, which is pretty crazy. I guess that the football is just something fun to them and all the stuff that they've learned and doing to you know, mm -hmm. protect and serve our country. It's truly amazing. So I got to go see that firsthand and that was awesome. And I talked to Malcolm every now and then, you know, I'll send me a text here and there. So I have a relationship with him. You know that you mentioned uh, West Point. It's amazing going up there. I mean, oh, I, I've been beautiful up, too. Right. And I mean, to be there for, I have been up for a couple of times. I'm sure my colleagues here, Matt and Steve, have been there as well for a football game. You know, this Saturday, all the pomp and circumstance, uh, the cadets coming in and, and the game. I mean, it really is a to do. And it's so beautiful up there. It's amazing. It is. And they have their their traditions and things that they do on a daily basis, they line up in their formations, eat lunch, everyone eats lunch together, and they go about the business of getting, you know, their combat training, and then, oh yeah, let's go to football practice, and, you know, it's just, it's crazy, they just throw that on their schedule, it's just something that they do for fun, I'm like, Jesus, the, the, the way that you guys live your life, it's, I have nothing but the utmost respect for them. A question for both you, Eric, and John, both of you suffering spinal cord injuries. Eric, yours more serious, obviously. The eighth anniversary is just upon us. John mentioned a moment ago, 26 years ago, he had his accident. How often do you guys have to fight off the, why did this happen to me? Does it still crop up in your heads, or have you both moved past it a little bit? John? Well, well I'd have, yeah, Eric, you I'll, go first. I would say it's not more about why did this happen to me. It's a, you know, you wake up in the morning and sometimes, sometimes you just uh, gotta go through this routine again. You know, guys, it's gonna take me this long to get ready. It's just the stuff that you need to do. You kind of it may look to as a drag, but not like why it happened to me. Uh, I gotta, I gotta go do this routine with my nurse. I gotta do this, gotta do that. It's gonna take me a little this long to get here. Let me call somebody to do this. That's the kind of stuff that. You would say not like why me, but it's the, the stuff that I have to ask people, you know, to do or have to go through the process of getting ready in the morning. Yep, I, I feel the same way. It, it, it to me sometimes it's like that old movie um, that Bill Murray was in, Groundhog's Day. You know, when you wake up and it's the same thing every day. You know, you yep. do wind up doing the same thing every day, and you know, you start to think that people. Eric, people have no idea what you and I, and you more so than I, I think, have to go mm -hmm. through each and every day just uh, to get out there in the world. I mean, you hear people complain about they sit in traffic or they have a problem with this or that, but they, they really have no idea what, you know, a day in the life is for, for yourself or me or people with spinal cord injuries. And so every once in a while, I'll think, oh my gosh, this is like the twilight zone. Like if I'll drop something on the ground and it'll... <laughs> You know, most people just bend right down to pick it up. It could take me 15 minutes to pick it up. Or if I drop something in the car in between the seats, I mean, it's gone. It doesn't <laughs> ex 
exist oh, in my world yeah. anymore. So uh, find some treasure under there. Huh? Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, come on. With a magnet in my car, you could you could buy yourself a new one with all of that stuff. In hey, there. get that window fixed, Johnny. Stop that leak that you got. Hey, one last thing for for yeah. uh, Eric and you know, John. Obviously, yeah. at at some point, you would like to gain full mobility, Eric. You'd like to walk at some point. A lot of work is being done. I'm just wondering if you can tell our listeners. And Eric, you're much more involved with uh, raising money uh, for research and and involved in foundations etc how close or how much closer are we getting and then how close are we to the point where someone like you who suffers that injury or john who living with the debilitating injury will be able to regain full use of their limbs uh, it's crazy to say this but honestly it may sound cliche but we're closer and closer every day and i truly believe that because of all the resources being done and we are raising the funds making sure we're getting you know, more people involved in race funds realizing that this injury doesn't discriminate from people and putting it important and making it important to realize that spinal cord injuries need to be need to be these to have a cure because so many people's lives are flipped and turned upside down with it. And you don't want it to be a, a something that's wow, you're paralyzed, that's it. Right. You know, that's the end of your life. So with the Re Foundation they're doing tremendous things with epidural stimulation. I know Dr. Young, who works at the Rutgers, doing amazing things with stem cell research, and I'm sure there's so much more overseas that is being done. So I'm looking, I'm looking forward to it. I'm sure in our lifetime, John, there will be something out there for us. I agree, and I'm hoping also with new medications that they have. I know that um, I was just recently had a, a visit with my doctor after an MRI where trying to tweak some some of my meds. There might be some new stuff that might help you out. You know, for, for people that are out there listening, you know, um, I can remember I had gone out to a couple of different schools like you did, Eric, and speak about it. And, you know, we tell the kids that, you know, there's if you break your arm, you could put a cast on your arm. If you break your leg, you put a cast on your leg. But, you know, there's two things that if you do damage to that will never be the same again, and those are your brain. So we try to have kids, you know, put their head hands out in front of them when they dive in pools and to wear helmets and stuff. And also your spinal cord. Once you injure that at a certain level, every muscle beneath that level will will not be the same again. And so any of these new um, approaches and um, new things that these doctors, with whether it be medications or surgeries, uh, the better because it can help uh, tons of people now and down the road. And Eric, you're excited about your work at Kessler going in there, your recovery and uh, and and looking toward the future. Yeah, sometimes I uh, do a lot of therapy. I'm very fortunate. Uh, I regain a lot from where I was, you know, with my level of injury. You know, a lot of times there's not that much recovery. You know, I've been able to regain so much by going through inpatient and outpatient there. And it's just, mm-hmm. and not so much tremendous. Those people, I see them more than I see my family and friends. So they are my family. So it's... Always good to see them, catch up with them, joke around with them, but also put in the work with them all for you. On calls, they're there to, to get you better. Mm-hmm. That's their mission. Well, I'll tell you right now, none of us will stop believing. I'll, that's a promise right here in this room uh, for sure. True. Now we have to arrive at Rutgers football. Uh, <laughs> nice to talk about your recovery and all. But uh, so, I mean, we haven't talked to you in, in a number of weeks, Eric, and, um, you know, uh, because we don't have to dissect the Maryland game. It was just more of the same. I mean, what I'd like to get from you is, I mean, what is your level of concern for the program right now? No one expected it to be this bad, and it's gotten really bad. 
I'm not going to lie to you. I am actually really because, like, as you said, no one expected this. And you're wondering where's Pat Hobbs at? Where's Coach? You know, well, Coach actually tells us where he's at. And I get to talk to him on a weekly basis. And he is trying to build this program up and he's trying to, he's trying to do everything he can to keep it together. But the one thing that scares me, especially nowadays with recruits, you know, commitment to them, it's just nothing. It's, it's nothing now. Like it was back in the day. Like when you commit to somebody, you committed, you know, nowadays. Kids commit and then, oh, let me go take up my five official visits and stuff like that. But um, that's what concerns me because I believe so far they've lost two or three recruits. I think three. Yeah. And the whole thing total. You just don't want that that whole thing when you lose 11, 12, 13 recruits. Like I remember that that class that Coach Flood uh, lost, possibly 13 guys in that class. You cannot have that happen. Yeah. You know, Eric. That happens. And that's when you have to start taking people with less talent, and then it's hard to, to develop that talent. Yep. You mentioned losing recruits. I see in this past week they lost, like, the crown jewel of their class, this Marlon Johnson, the wide receiver from the Petty School. And as you mentioned, it's one thing to lose games on the field, but when you start losing in in living rooms and in kitchens with kids that you're trying to sell oh. the big picture to – that's when, you know, things can go from bad to worse. And let's face it, the, the fact that they're losing game in, you know, game in and game out by more than 20 points, you know, the old lipstick on a pig type of a thing. There's really only uh, one way you can get this better, and that's recruiting. And to lose a kid like this so soon has got to be uh, a major red flag as well. Yeah, absolutely. You look at the positions of knees and stuff of that nature, and he was a, he's supposed to be a big time wide receiver, I believe. Six foot four, two hundred, but uh, yeah. five, two hundred ten pounds, and someone that you can definitely use in the future. But unfortunately, you know, he wants to go somewhere else, so he's going to have to try to fill his position. And you know, you hope to keep this class together, Coach. Has, I'm sure him, he, him, he's on the staff about keeping this class together and develop a relationship with them and telling them what the plan is. Obviously, this this was a huge. Huge step back, but now they're going to need those recruits to step forward and get them where they need to be. Yeah, we were talking last week, Eric, and one of the things that I would like to see, and I'm sure behind the scenes, Chris is doing this and his staff. First off, they have to deliver the message to their recruits, to the ones who have committed. Yes, some have backed out, and that's just the nature of modern college football. But the fact of the matter is he has to be in very strong terms talking to these recruits, telling them that things will get better, you are part of the solution, and I am going to work hard to make sure we don't see this happen again. Because they're getting word from their teammates from other schools still, because until you sign that letter of intent, uh, you can still get texts and calls and other coaches are saying, hey, do you really want to go there? Did you see what happened? They got killed. So he's got to send that message. But I wish that he would also send that message, and it may not be his personality, more publicly. He keeps saying the right things, and, and now this week he's taking over a little more of the defensive responsibilities. But I want once, just slam your hand down on the podium and say, this will end. Uh, and he just said, you know, he keeps talking about a process and we're working on things, and on the defensive side, it's just a few small plays. And that might be the case, I don't know, but the overall message is, uh, or at least the point of view of fans and media is that it's fallen apart completely. He needs to stand up and be that general that says, not anymore. It ends now. This is bad, but we will pull out of this. And I just don't hear or see that forceful message. 
Hey, that's that. See, that's that Jersey, New York now being in here for some. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I, no, no question. That's, that's, that's what we want to hear. That's actually, that's how Pat Shermer got some respect in his press conferences. He takes control of them, and he, he's like, I'm not going to get eaten up by these by the media. You know what I mean? And that's what people are expecting to hear out of Coach Assets sometimes. Like, this is not going to happen anymore. What are you going to do? The change, but the unfortunate thing is, it continued. It does continue to happen week in and week out, and we're sitting here like, where do we go from here right now? Honestly, people are looking at the schedule, and people are terrified that somebody might hang a hundred on us. So yeah, these guys have been playing, and you hope that doesn't happen. And you hope at the end of the year that you know you're playing your best football, which is tough to see, because just when you want to be playing your best football, and now October going into November in college football, and. You're hoping that's when this team finally could click and maybe stop some of those mistakes where Coach Ashton said, those are three, four, five, six plays away. But you don't get those anymore now. There's your identity year, and you know what, you, what you've done to beat you all year, and that's all you can hope for. Because if not, things can get real ugly, and if things get real ugly like it did in year one, I, 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 just, I just don't know. The fan base is going to go crazy. That's the thing. You have to keep your fan base happy because – and Eric, when you're throwing the ball to the other team, it's a huge problem. We've seen it. I mean, my goodness. I mean, I, 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 he's Art has shown some ability. He's shown some flashes. The um, interceptions are a huge problem. Uh, moving forward to Northwestern, mm-hmm. what, what do you want to see a quarterback? I, I, I really want to see him develop because he has the tools, but right now mentally, he doesn't know how to read defenses and stuff of that nature. And that's tough because it's a quarterback position, but you hope. So it's it's because he has, like I said, the physical tools. You hope you can teach him that stuff. All right, I need you to do zero. And you want to see progression, and that's the thing. At times, we do see it. Every now and then, he flashes it. But that Maryland game was just, just everything that he's developed the past two or three games. It just went down the it just went down the, went down the hill for that Maryland game. And, you hope to keep his confidence and, and stuff of that nature because he's so young. But he is mature. He is he's mature over his age. But he knows he has to go out there and play better. So I'm hoping that the kid is doing everything he could to learn from his mistakes and do, do what he needs to do to control that offense because he has all the physical tools to do it. He can throw that ball, you know, 75 yards in the air. And now if he can just read the defense and start picking him apart, I think in, not this year, but – Next two years, three years, well, he'll be here for four. I think we'll see something special out of him. Let's hope so, because eight yards. I mean, he completed two more passes than you and I did, Eric. I mean, this is <laughs> this is unbelievable. Let me ask you a question. Put on your, your helmet from back in the day. Does, it, does there come a point as a defensive player, and let's face it, Rutgers' defense hasn't set itself apart as the uh, – the uh, 85 Bears, but does there come a point where you and your cohorts on the sideline are watching this offense do next to nothing and actually giving the ball to the other team where you guys start to get frustrated and, you know, not that you're pointing fingers, but there's got to come a point where we're like, hey, listen, man, we're trying to hold up our end of the bargain, and these guys, it's just futile, game in and game out. I'll tell you what, we've, I have been there before with, uh, with our team back in, I believe, 2010. I think we gave up the most sacks in Rutgers history or in college football history or something, mm. something crazy. We gave up the most of that, and I'll never forget being a part of that offense. It was always three and out, three and out. Or there's a turnover here, it's over there. You're just like, uh, but that year, I remember Coach Shiano, 
he tell, he used to tell us the offense is gonna get right, but he was in our room and he pushed us even harder than he was pushing them because he knew where our strength was on defense. And he was like it pretty much was like, We have to go out there and win the game. We have to get a turnover. If you get a turnover, you scoop and score or you run for a pick six. No diving on it, give it to the offense. No, leave it in our hands. And honestly, I think that was the best thing. That's why we were so good on defense and we were out there hunting. We were really going after like, you know, going after that ball and trying to get that ball at all times and you know, and that's why I think honestly people miss those third downs and stuff where Coach Yano, you knew on third down that Coach Yano was setting some type of pressure at you and we were coming with some type of blitz that we designed that weekend. We were hitting at home and everyone was going nuts and sack fumbles or block that big thing was block punts as well. Block punts and field goals attempts because we knew we had to find out those splash plays so we can have an impact and get our offense fired up. Eric, can you explain the defense and these big plays? And uh, it just week in and week out, it's just an absolute killer. I mean, you know, you got running backs just getting into the secondary mm-hmm. and they're gone. Why, why they're not getting caught up to? I mean, can you explain this? I'll break it down real easy for you. So Coach Ash, you know, he's, got, he's not going to say because he's uh, his, uh, his guys out there. But the type of defense he plays is the type of defense I play in. It's a gap control defense. You control your gap, the next guy controls his gap. The ball will come to you sometimes. Majority of the time, it's not going to come to you. People are out there trying to make plays. So they're jumping in and out of their gaps and not securing their gap. Oh, I got this gap. We're hitting the balls over there. I'm going to jump over here. And then, boom, next thing you know, the guy cuts back, and he's gone. Nobody is there. And you got to have guys stop being selfish and try to make plays and let the plays come to you. They will come to you. It happens. Believe me, they will come to you. But you got guys out there that are trying to, you know, just to make plays for themselves, and they don't play their gap integrity defense. And when you don't play that, you, know, you see what happens. Big, big play, especially if the safety. If the safety misses the tackle or corner, that guy's running for a long time. Running for a long time. Eric, I have two questions for you, Big Ten related. Uh, yeah. There's a huge game on Saturday, the old Michigan-Michigan State game. Uh, I know both teams are flying high right now, uh, and I wanted to see if uh, if you had a read on that game. And then also, again, putting on your helmet again as a, as a defensive player, uh, news this week that Nick Bosa is going to uh, withdraw from, from school to uh, to concentrate on getting ready for the NFL draft. I see in a lot of circles he's been uh, – uh, they look at him as maybe the uh, preemptive number one uh, pick in next year's draft. So what are your thoughts on those two situations? Well, the Michigan, Michigan State game is a huge game for John Harbaugh over uh, Jim Harbaugh because he's never beat um, the Michigan State. He's always had that. If you're Michigan State and uh, Ohio State, those are the games that he needs to win. And he uh, has to show that he's he's worthy. But last week, I'll tell you what, his team looked good. And this way, he finally got a quarterback that can move around the pocket and make things happen with his feet when things break down. And that's honestly what they were missing because they got the athletes on us, especially on that defensive side. They got the athletes. And then on offense, got a good running back. They got wide receivers. Now a quarterback, when things break down, can make plays. They're a very dangerous team. And watching them versus Wisconsin, I know Wisconsin is not the Wisconsin of what we're usually expecting. You know, each year being a top five team or top ten team, a little bit they fell off a little bit this year. But Michigan is very dangerous. But look at Michigan State coming all the way back to beat Penn State like that on that final drive. 
That was very, very impressive. So that was a good I'm excited, game. Babe. Big Ten football. I'm biased. Uh, thanks to big, you know, best college uh, conference in the country. But hey, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, a lot of and hate. Then, There's a lot of hate in that game. <laughs> oh, that's, that's Michigan is when you play for your state. I, you got to love to play in games like that. Cause mm-hmm. Wish I could strap up for something like that. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. Screaming. And what was the second one, John? About Nick Bosa, who's going to withdraw I, from school. Yeah, he's the. I, I, I'm really. I wasn't surprised at all when he said that he hurt himself like that. I thought he was all right. I'm like, this guy's. I said it to my, uh, some of my friends. Like, yeah, he's done for a year. Like, he ain't coming back. Like, he's 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 going to be the first uh, number one overall pick. I don't think he has to prove anything else. I I, I said that, man. When it says abdominal one, he's going he can miss. Oh, a significant amount of time. I said that guy's done. Yeah. And now that he announced it, you know, some people are surprised and not. But hey, I don't blame him. The kid has done everything he has over there, and now they say he might come back. I think for the play, if he could come back, might be for the college football playoff for the Big Ten championship. I know you want to be out there for your team and stuff like that. But hey, you have the chance to be that number one pick. Yeah. You do that yeah. It's, I it, think everyone why, why roll the dice? Yeah, yeah, it's a big number. Like, we saw what a couple of years ago, Christian McCaffrey didn't play in a bowl game because he didn't want to get hurt and jeopardize his mm-hmm. draft mm-hmm. position. So uh, once it was pretty clear with the injury, they thought it was very long term. It is very long term, and at best, as you said, he'd be back very late in the season. I guess that's not going to happen. So he's like Ariva Durchi. I guess he's not taking philosophy one hundred and one anymore in Columbus. <laughs> 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 not at all. If you tell me I'll, that I have a chance to be a number one. Pick if not top three, most likely. I'm sorry, but hey, Rutgers fan. See ya. Hey, I did. I did everything I could here, but. I got to think about my family and myself. Yeah, yeah, no question. It would be different if he was healthy and decided to pull out at this point, but I think exactly. the injury, yeah, the injury has changed it all altogether for sure. Hey, all right, exactly. back to uh, Saturday. And uh, speaking of Michigan State, you got a Northwestern team that actually mm. beat them. They also, of course, lost to Akron. So, uh, who do you have here? They're three and three. Uh, you know, pretty good quarterback in Clayton Thorson and. Good running back and Jeremy Larkin. Uh, you know they can be a dangerous team, uh, but you can also move the ball on them. Uh, how do you see it go? I mean, we we know how bad it's been, but do you see improvement and a possibility? I mean, many people believe this is the last game that Rutgers can actually win. Yeah, and it's funny to say it because people actually thought that Rutgers would kind of be a mirror image of Northwestern by now in the Big Ten. You know, you compete, you're in, you're in every game. But, you know, you lose to the, 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 the big dogs, maybe an upset here or there. But you handle your business, and you, you stay in that middle of the pack of the Big Ten. That's what people thought that that Rutgers would be. And now they're going to see a team with, with the Pat Fitzgerald. He's, he's going to come out, I'm sure. He's going to want to put some pressure on the quarterback or mix things up and try to, you know, confuse Art back there because Art is a starter. He's going to try to do things like that. But on offense, they're, they, they can move the ball and they can put up points. And they're in Wichita, they won't be scared to try to hold back on us. No, they're going to go out there and try to prove themselves because, like you said, they're sitting at 3-3 three and three right now, and they want to get to that bowl game this year. And they're going to look at this to, to come in here to destroy our homecoming and kind of they're going to just – they're not going to – they're not going to give up because they say that there's a three-legged horse out there. No, they're going to try to take all the legs off the horse right now. And, uh, <laughs> I hope – I hope – I hope Rutgers, honestly, that they can come prepare for this and – they can be ready because I. It's crazy to say the analysts. You want to break it down, but I honestly don't know what to expect from this team. You want them to be hyped up. You want them to be ready to go. It is homecoming. 
But we're, I think we're really going to see this week, as you said, because a lot of people think this is the last one to go get from Rutgers. Is this team really going to be behind Coach Ash and, st- and believing in him? This not next year's team, because I know next year's team definitely will. This year's team, though, will all these seniors rally behind him and realize, hey, let's try to leave our best legacy that we can here. Didn't go the way we wanted it to. I'm not going to go out there and lay an egg. Can we go out there and fight and try to upset the world and, and upset somebody else's season? Yeah, because because the truth of the matter is it may not happen this Saturday, but if they don't play better, if they don't play with some heart, if they just kind of roll over and say, listen, this is a lost season, let's get out of here, somebody might put that C note up against them in some of the upcoming yeah. games. And you know what? Who want? obviously, but as an athlete, you you don't want that to happen. you you got to fight with every bit of heart, give everything you got. Um, and I think that'll be a little telling, too, about – Coach Ash and what Chris has been able to do and can do. Look, the season's over. They're not making a bowl game. They may very well only win the one game. But they've got the bye after this one. If they can at least show here and maybe come up with a little trickeration, as a friend of mine likes to say, uh, you know, maybe come out with something new for the game off the break and and then at least end with some shred of decency and, and save a little bit of your, your reputation. Is, is that let's call a spade a spade. You don't want to be that person or that team that let up 100 points against you. Ouch. Or just like that. You, you don't want that. As people, as alumni, I, hey, even though we have no control of what's going on out there, it is embarrassing. Mm. It's embarrassing. Person. You know, people are used to news tweeting about it. I know how my teammates feel about it. We're all behind the scenes about how we feel about about it. But you, you don't, as the players in, the, in that locker room, I would be like, well, this is not happening to us. Yeah, I know there are things that went wrong, but mm-hmm. heck no. Not, not on my watch. watch. Yeah. Exactly. No way. And that's a good segue to my last question, Eric, and that's this. I mean, after Northwestern, it's Wisconsin at Wisconsin, Michigan, Penn State, and at Michigan State. I mean, it's just murderer's row. A lot of Rutgers fans are cringing on this one. Do you anticipate it being as bad as many think or better? Where And, and what's the goal? Just to, to stay on the field and, and, and compete? Not give up a hundy. <laughs> that's right. I mean, because that's what I'm hearing. You know, and not I know. Up. This, this is where Coach Ash really needs to show his identity. Each team takes their coach's identity, you know, their personality. You saw how we played when Coach Yano was here. You know, hard, tough nose, thinking we were tougher and stronger than anybody there was out there. That's how he had his feeling, and that's how Shiano was. I think as people don't know Coach Ash's identity yet, a lot of people call him a robot. People say he has no emotion, things like that. I think these last five games on the schedule, he needs to show what type of what through his team, what type what type of uh, personality and identity he has. And what he is going to have going forward, and give the fans hope going forward. Because you said, PT fans are looking for a win, but they're looking for being able to be competitive and a fight in you. You got to have that fight, especially here in Jersey. Well, Eric, thanks so much for joining us. It's always a thrill to have you on the show. And uh, we'll catch you, of course, later on in the season. Hopefully, we can hang in. And you'll hear Eric on Saturday, noon start on the Rutgers Football Network as he uh, rejoins his mates, Ray Lucas, Chris Carlin, and the one and only Fooch. Absolutely. Fooch. (laughs) (laughs) Eric, thanks so much. Bye-bye. Thanks, Eric. Talk to you soon. And that'll do it for RU Review. I'm Steve Titchener here with John McAlevey and Matt 
Lachlan. It's brought to you by Zebra Pen. Find Zen in your pen. And we'll catch you next time with plenty more discussion on RU Football. Bye-bye.